Our scripture this morning comes to us from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 21 through 26. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. As you are able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him. As truth is in Jesus, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with a new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, Putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Have you ever seen a child throw a temper tantrum? You ever seen that? If you have spent much time at all around children, you've probably seen that. When our children were much younger, if we were out somewhere and we saw a child just pitching a fit, throwing a tantrum, we would quietly say, thank God it's not one of ours (laughs) this time. Uh, Today, our children are older. If we see a child in a store throwing a fit, we say, thank God our children never did that. (laughs) But of course, they did. They did. They had their moments. All children do. I remember having one of ours, I don't even remember which one, uh, in the store. And you know how in one moment, things are great. And then in another moment, things are not. Sometimes you get a buildup, but sometimes it's like a light switch. A child can go from being really happy to incredibly upset, and you don't know what happened. And you don't know what changed. This was one of those days. In a store, me and one of the kids, and everything's fine until it's not, and then the child is screaming and just throwing a tantrum. And, you know, being a good dad, I did what good dads do, I tried to reason with a two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum, right? What's wrong? The child slapped their head with their hands and screams through tears, I don't know. Since that worked so well the first time, I thought I'd try it again. If you would just tell your dad, if you could just tell daddy, maybe I could help. Maybe I could fix it. What's wrong? I don't know. So I thought I would take one more run at it, although I was starting to get a little flustered. Really, Daddy loves you. Daddy just wants to help. Won't you please just tell Daddy what's the matter? Slaps the side of the head, screams through tears. I don't know. Well, at this point, I'm starting to get a little flustered myself, and we are drawing a crowd. You know, anytime your kid is pitching a fitness store, it's like, you know, everybody comes rushing towards you to see what you're doing to the poor kid. And this one lady trying to be helpful looks at me, and she says, Sir, is there anything I can do to help? And by that point, I slapped my head with the side of my, and I said, I don't know. 
You ever seen a kid throw a tantrum? Let me ask another question. You ever seen an adult throw a temper tantrum? If we're honest, most of us have seen that as well. Some of us maybe have even been guilty of being the adult throwing the tantrum. Others of us may have been guilty of inciting another adult to throw a temper tantrum. Right? Well, the good news is, I don't want to talk about temper tantrums. But I do want to talk about anger. A tantrum is just somebody who gets so angry they don't know how to express it, right? I do want to talk about anger. See, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, making wise decisions. We started looking at Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish builder. And we've seen that foolish choices often look appealing, often look easy. But there are always consequences. Wise choices, on the other hand, usually don't look near as appealing or near as easy on the front end, but they are always better over the long run. So we've been talking about wisdom and how we make wise choices, and we've looked a lot at the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is so filled with wisdom. So this morning, I want us to talk about gaining a wise understanding of our anger, gaining a wise understanding of our anger. Now I know it's two days before Valentine's Day. You say, shouldn't we be talking about love? Why are we talking about anger? Isn't anger always bad? Doesn't anger always get us in trouble? Well, the reality is anger is not always bad. And anger does not always get us in trouble. The Apostle Paul certainly knew that anger was not always bad. We see that in chapter 4 of his letter to the Ephesians. Now we looked at chapter 4 last week, a few verses earlier, as we talked about the wisdom of telling the truth. This morning we look a little further in chapter 4, because chapter 4 is so filled with marvelous practical advice. Here in this part of chapter 4, Paul is talking about what it means for us to be in Christ. It means we should behave differently. It's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing for your behavior to reflect those beliefs. Not only should we believe differently once we are in Christ, we should behave differently. Did you hear that? He says, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self. You should be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Clothe yourselves with a new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We should be behaving differently, he says. And then he talks about telling the truth and speaking the truth. We talked about that last week. And then he says, be angry. Be angry. We don't expect the Bible to tell us to be angry. Right? There's a lot of things we expect to hear in scriptures. Honor your father and mother, we expect to hear that. Uh, treat other people the way you want to be treated, we expect to hear that. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, we expect to hear that. But be angry? It's like, which of these things does not belong? Right? But he's not through. He says more than be angry. He says be angry, but... 
do not sin. Well, aren't anger and sin almost inevitably tied together? Doesn't anger always get us in trouble? Isn't anger always bad? After all, a wise philosopher once said, fear, anger, aggression, the dark side they are. Once you start down the dark path forever, it will dominate your destiny. That could have been Socrates, it might have been Aristotle. In all honesty, I think it was Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back. But you get the point. We think that fear, I mean, we think that anger forever leads to the dark side. Paul says we can be angry and not sin. And he's not alone. Proverbs says that as well. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, it says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. It doesn't say don't have a temper. Just says have some control over it. Proverbs 29, 11. Only a fool gives full vent to anger. Doesn't say only a fool gets angry. Only a fool gives full vent to anger. And then there's another passage that sounds like Proverbs, only it's not. In the book of James, chapter 1, James says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Doesn't say don't get angry. It just says take your time in getting there. So how do we gain a wise understanding of anger? Well, I think to begin with, we have to see when is anger appropriate? When is it appropriate actually to be angry? There are those occasions. I think it's appropriate to be angry at our own sin. Because when we're angry at our behavior, our sin, it leads us to do something about it. I'm not saying be angry at yourself. Right? Freud says fear or anger turned inward leads to depression. I'm not saying be angry at you, but sometimes at our behavior, at our sin. Those things that we know we have done that are wrong. Because that anger can lead us to make a change, to live differently, to repent. Think about King David. King David, one of the great kings of Israel, the second king of Israel, a very godly king most of the time, right? But not always. There's a story in the Old Testament about David and sin. Sin with a woman named Bathsheba. A lot of you know that story. And for a while, it didn't seem to bother David until a man named Nathan came to see him. Nathan was a prophet and came and did something very risky. He confronted the king about the king's sin. He pointed out to the king in no uncertain terms, this is what you did and this is wrong. And David realized it. And David saw the error of his ways. You could even say David was angry at his own sin. And it led him to repentance. Psalm 51, which we used a part of that as a call to worship this morning. Psalm 51 is David's prayer of confession. Listen to it. Create in me, I'm sorry, against you and you alone, dear Lord, have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. Create in me a clean heart. Put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. 
See how David's anger at his own behavior, his own sin, led him to behave differently. It's an appropriate use for anger. I'll tell you another one, I think. Sometimes anger at injustice can lead us to do something about it. Right? We see something and we know it is wrong. You see people and you know they're being taken advantage of. And when that anger leads you to action, that's appropriate anger. What, what did Popeye say? I've done all I can, I, I stood all I can, and I can't stand no more, right? When you're angry at injustice and you can't stand no more, and you do something about it, that's an appropriate use of injustice. Look at Jesus in the temple. Do you remember the story of Jesus throwing the money changers out of the temple? You know why he did that? It wasn't simply commerce. It was what they were doing. The Old Testament law said, when you sin, you have to make a sacrifice. You have to try to atone for your sin. Restore for yourself a right relationship with God. You might be called on to sacrifice a dove, a lamb, some kind of animal. You bring it to the temple to sacrifice. Except, the money changers said, no, 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 no. You can't bring your own dove. That just won't do. But we happen to be selling doves. So you have to buy one from us. You have to pay our price. You ever been to a ballpark, been to a stadium, uh, and they say no food or drink? We're happy to sell you a $2 hot dog for $15.95 though, right? But you don't have to buy the hot dog if you don't want it. They had to have an animal to make a sacrifice to atone for their sin. And you had people standing in the temple saying, no, 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 leave yours at the door. You have to buy from us. They were taking advantage of God's people. Jesus was angry and threw them out of the temple. Anger at injustice that led to action. There are times it's appropriate to be angry, where you can be angry and not sin. How do we gain a wise understanding of anger? I think a lot of times it's helpful to understand where is that anger coming from? What is that anger really telling us? Sometimes I think anger is like a warning light in your car. You know, you get a flashing light in your car. The light's not the issue. The light's telling you about the issue. Sometimes the reality is anger is not the issue, but it's telling us about an issue. Sometimes it's even masking an issue. It can be that way with hurt. You ever seen anybody who got their feelings hurt and they lashed out in anger when they got their feelings hurt? You ever seen that? It looks a lot like anger. If you're on the receiving end, it feels a lot like anger. But it's really not anger. It's hurt. Sometimes it can be fear. I read a story about a man who had taken his wife to the hospital for what was supposed to be a routine procedure. He waits on the doctor. The doctor comes out and says the procedure itself went fine but we found something else. And the something else is not treatable. There's nothing we can do. And I don't think she's going to make it. And the guy turns around in the waiting room and puts his fist into a wall. Is it because the wall did something to him? Did the wall make him angry? Of course not. He's frightened to death of what his future will be like. The fact that it will be nothing like he ever dreamt. Sometimes fear can make us lash out in anger. Grief can do the same thing, actually. If you could follow that story on, and, and 
the story I read didn't, but if you could watch that fellow when he got the news that his wife was gone, he might have hit the same wall. Not because he was mad at the wall, but because he had suffered a loss and he was grieving. And instead of expressing his grief, he lashed out in anger. Sometimes anger tells us something else is going on. It might be shame. You ever seen somebody who did something and they knew they were wrong and they were embarrassed, but instead of simply owning it, they got defensive and got angry, started shouting at everybody else? Look at the story of Simon Peter in the Gospels. Do you remember how in the upper room, Jesus said to Simon Peter, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Simon Peter says, not me, I would never do that. And then Jesus is arrested. And Simon Peter's warming himself by a fire. And someone says, I recognize you. You are with Jesus. And he says, not me. You got me confused with somebody else. A second person, same thing. No, no, it was you. It was you. You were right there with him. Not me. I'm telling you. Not me. Third time, somebody says, no, no. Your accent gives you away. You're from up around Galilee. You're from up around Nazareth. You're one of those northerners. It's you. We can tell by the way you talk. You don't talk like us down here. Simon Peter, it says at that point, swore and cursed and said, I'm telling you, I do not know the man. Sure sounds angry, doesn't he? Except we know he's not. He's ashamed of himself. Sometimes anger tells us there's something else going on. Maybe that's why James says, be slow to anger. Because if we took our time getting there, we might realize, I'm not angry after all. I'm afraid. Or I'm ashamed. Or I've been hurt. We're going to get a wise understanding of anger. We need to take the time to ask some questions about our anger. See what's underneath the surface. The Apostle Paul said, when we're in Christ, we should behave differently. We might still get angry, but we're not to sin in our anger. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Proverbs says, only the fool gives full vent to anger. So if we want to gain a wiser understanding of anger and make some wiser choices, ask yourself some questions over the course of the week. When is my anger appropriate? Versus not. When is it sinful? Versus not. When is there really something else going on inside of me that I need to be more honest about? I think if we take the time to ask some of those questions, we might gain a wiser understanding, make some better choices. And that would help us on Valentine's Day and every day. Let us pray. Dear and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for your word, for the words of Paul, the words of James, the words from Proverbs that tell us, Lord, to look at inside, to look at our anger, and make sure that it's not sinful, but rather that it reflects only beliefs and behaviors that are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.